Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The only reason for being a bee that I know of is to make honey. And the only reason for making honey is so I can eat it. (laughs) Great words of wisdom from Winnie the Pooh. And I've learned this. In the middle of this Christian battle, let's make application. In the middle of this Christian battle, you should take the time to taste the honey of the word. And allow God's word to get in you and your eyes will be enlightened and you will feel revived. I remember when I was stationed at uh, Camp Pendleton, and, uh, and every afternoon, I, I remember I, I had just left the Kojic Church, uh, Church of God in Christ, and um, I uh, had heard the teaching of the Word of God, and then I learned of Pastor Chuck Smith being on the radio every day at 12 o'clock, and he had been on the radio every day at 12 o'clock for 20 years, I think, <laughs> And uh, so I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know who Matthew was, who Mark was. I knew nothing about the Bible. And keep in mind, I went to Catholic school all my life, and I knew nothing about the Bible. So I, every afternoon, I would take the time to go and taste the honey. Uh, some of my best time of fellowship was in my Volkswagen minivan. Y'all remember the Volkswagen minivan? It was gray. We had windows tinted. I don't care what y'all say. That van was hot. <laughs> that van was hot. Remember the van? Was, it was square. And it was, uh, see, y'all think it's corny now, but back then it was, it was really nice. And we had a nice one. It was nice. It was gray, and, and it was big. And I used to take my lunch every day, and I did this every day for three years. I would take my lunch at 12 o'clock, get in the van, get my Bible, my pen, and my pad, and listen to Pastor Chuck Smith. And I went through the Book of Romans with Pastor Chuck Smith on the radio. And that's where I started learning the Bible. And that's where, and and then what I would do, that would do that on a Tuesday. And then this guy had led to a Lord named Anthony Ruby. We had a Bible study on Thursday. And I would basically just tell him what Pastor Chuck just told me on Tuesday. (laughs) And he thought I was fantastic. (laughs) And I never told him I wasn't. (laughs) He thought I was so smart. And he was like, oh, you are just a a biblical genius. I'm like, well. (laughs) Some of us have to be. (laughs) But I just remember those days and you know, I, I just remember my eyes were enlightened and I felt energized 
because I had taken the time to taste the honey of the word of God. Well, notice in verse 27 through 29, we got to move forward, tells us that Jonathan ate the honey and his countenance was brightened. That honey was like a power bar, like a you know, fuel gel, like an energy drink. And because when he ate, he felt better, he said, my father has troubled the land. Because of Saul's own legalism, he hindered the people from tasting the honey. And the men are weak and their countenance is down and they're exhausted and they're worn out and they can't fight. And you know what? That's what legalism actually does. It causes you to be weak. It causes you to be worn out trying to do. Am I right about it? Trying to be good enough, worthy enough, performance-based relationship with God. And when you function from the place of legalism, what happens in the end is you find yourself with less. Israel has less victory over the Philistines because the men didn't have the strength to finish the job. As a matter of fact, legalism causes you to sin. Look at verse 31. The people began to eat the animals with the blood. Listen, this is a sin because the law of Moses said the people were not to eat meat without it being properly drained. And when it was properly drained, y'all listening? When it was properly drained, then it was kosher. It was to be butchered and then properly drained. And then they were to eat it in a kosher way from Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 23 through 25. Only be sure, God said, that you do not eat the blood for the blood is the life. You may not eat the life with the meat. You shall not eat it. You shall pour it on the earth like water. You shall not eat it that it may go well with you and your children after you when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. The blood of a man or an animal is a picture of life. God didn't want Israel to eat meat that had not been properly bled. When the meat was properly bled again, then it was kosher. And then they were able to take the blood They were supposed to take the blood and pour it out on the ground. And the pouring of the blood on the ground, listen, was symbolic that life belongs to God and life is going back to God. So again, legalism causes you to sin against God. The people were so hungry from the battle, they said, forget all that draining stuff. And they ate the meat with the blood. And when they did that, they sinned against God. Did you get that? Because they were keeping Saul's silly legalistic rule, it caused them to forsake the clear command of God to keep man's commandment. And that's exactly what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verse 8 and 9. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the traditions of men washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do all too well. You reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Preachers and pulpits teach legalism because they're afraid to teach grace. Because they say teaching grace will lead people into sin. And they actually call teaching grace greasy grace. You ever heard that term? Greasy grace, they call it, or cheap grace. People teach cheap grace, they say, or people teach greasy grace. Interesting, Jesus wasn't afraid to teach grace to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Jesus wasn't afraid to teach grace. They say if you teach grace that 
they are under, that people are under grace, then people will go out and sin it up. Actually, the opposite is true. If you give people a proper understanding of God's grace, they won't go out and sin it up. They'll go love the Lord more. It's legalism that leads people into sinning it up. Why? Because legalism, listen, provokes rebellion. Legalism provokes rebellion. And it leads us into pride. Whenever you teach grace, people are set free. Free from performance. Free from expectation of others. Free from the dominion and domination of Satan. We're free from the power and the penalty of sin. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, memory verse. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That's an awesome verse. Galatians 5, 1. It's an awesome verse that we need to remember and highlight and tattoo to your person. The word stand fast means take a stand and don't let anybody push you into legalism because Christ has made us free. Whenever grace is taught, people are not moved toward greasy grace. They're changed and people are set free. And let me tell you something about grace. Grace is much more demanding than the law. Grace is much more demanding than the law. The law says do this and do that and do this and do that and don't do that and do this and everything will be fine. Grace owns you all day. Grace owns you every day. Grace owns every action. So grace then becomes more demanding than the law. Let's move forward. Verse 35 tells us that Saul built an altar to the Lord. And this is the first altar that Saul built. This is fascinating to me. Interesting. Right in the midst of this story about Saul and legalism imposed on the people, the Bible tells us Saul built his first altar to the Lord. I believe the reason the Holy Spirit put that here is because God is trying to tell us something. In order to avoid being a legalistic person, you have to have intimacy with God. The altar speaks of intimacy with God. Y'all get that? A lack of intimacy with God will lead you to harshness toward people. I remember years ago, people used to talk about family altar. Do you remember that term, family altar? And that meant that was the place for the family of praise and prayer together. Well, listen. God wants us to have an altar built in our hearts to keep us in that place of prayer and praise and humility before God. Saul has been king over Israel for two years now without an altar. And now he builds an altar to God. Can I encourage you? A major problem in Saul's life was no intimacy with God. He wasn't a man after God's own heart. Saul was not an altar builder. Two years, he hasn't had an altar. Two years, the king has not had an altar. Two years, he ignored the issues of the heart. Because that's what that means. And that's why the Holy Spirit mentions he built his first altar to the Lord. Verse 36 
through 46. Come on, read again with me. Look at verse 36. If you're looking at verse 36, say, I'm looking at it. Now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them until morning light and let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. And then the priest said, let us draw near to God here. And so Saul asked counsel of God, shall I go down after the Philistines? Oh, now you want to ask God. Huh? Shall I go down after the Philistines, will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer. God did not answer him that day. And Saul said, come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. God didn't answer, so somebody's in sin. I'm, al- I'm amazed. I- I'm alarmed. I'm amazed. Okay, look. Saul says, come over here, you chief people, you know and see. See what this sin is today. For, in verse 39, for as the Lord lives, who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan, my son, whoever's in sin is going to die. God's not answering me. So one of y'all are in sin, and somebody's going to die. Not a man among all the people answered him. And then he said to all of Israel in verse 40, you looking at it? You be, old, you be on one side and my son Jonathan and I will be, you people be on one side, my son and Jonathan and I will be on the other side. And the people said to Saul, do what seems good to you. Therefore Saul said to the Lord God of Israel, give us a perfect lot. So God didn't answer him, so now they're going to go with the Urim and the Thurim. Give us a perfect lot. So Saul said, so Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. And Saul said, cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. So Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey when the end of the, with the end of the rod that was in my hand. So now I must die. I ate, and I have to be killed for that? Look at verse 40. Saul answered, God, do so and more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people, I love verse 45, said to Saul, shall Jonathan die? Who has accomplished his great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked he has worked with God this day, so the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. And then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. Now, let me tell you what's going on. Saul realized that the Philistines are getting away, and so he thinks, now that we have eaten, let's go after them and chase them down. The priest said, let's seek the Lord about it. Saul asked counsel from God, but God didn't answer. And because God didn't answer, Saul has to blame somebody. So in verse 38, Saul said, come over here. And the chief priest and the people, and Saul says, let's find out where this sin is. Saul says, listen, I don't care if the sin is in my own son. We're going to deal with this. Saul's saying, I know that somebody ate today. There's a sinner in the camp. Somebody should have held up a mirror. Somebody should have said. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. This is amazing. 
There's a sinner in the camp and we're going to fish him out. Verse 39, and even if it's my own son, Jonathan, we're going to kill him. And I'm confident that Saul didn't mean that, but Saul was so, listen, insecure and wanting the people to see his spirituality. He wants to show how tough he is as king. He says, even if it's my own son, Jonathan. When Saul said that, the people had a chill run up their spine because they knew it was Jonathan. And the way they're going to find out who sinned is by casting lots. Saul put the people on one side, Jonathan on the other. Verse 41, look at it. Saul said to the Lord, give us a perfect lot. Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. Again, lots were cast and it fell on Jonathan. And Saul said, Jonathan, what have you done? Jonathan said, dad, I took a little bit of honey that was dripping. It looked great. I couldn't help it. And I tasted it. Now you're going to kill me? In verse 44, Saul said, God, do so and more. Yes, you shall surely die. The people said, that's enough, Saul. That's why I love verse 45. They said, that's it. We're done, Saul. You're done. We're done with you. You've gone too far. You got to stop. You stopped us from eating. You made us take this crazy oath. You're walking around cursing folk. I told y'all Saul was crazy. We didn't eat all day long fighting and our stomachs are empty you made us eat unkosher by eating blood that's enough verse 45 you're not going to touch one hair on jonathan's head obviously they said it so strong because we don't hear anything more about it Saul probably said okay no need to get testy everybody calm down then you know what this teaches it shows us how far from humility and how far saul had fallen into pride He is willing to kill his own son rather than admit that he was wrong. The man thing to do, listen, the man thing to do is say, I'm sorry. I should have made this oath in the beginning. I should have never been legalistic in the beginning. I should have pronounced, not pronounced a death penalty on whoever ate. I was out of line. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Let's move on. Instead of doing that, He'd rather kill his own son. Now watch this. This is the heart and the core of religiosity and legalism. Think about this. He makes a big deal out of about not eating. He makes a big deal about not eating with blood. He makes a big deal about obeying his oath. But the murder of his son, oh, that's nothing. That's legalism. That's the core of religious people. You know, religious people? This, 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 and this, because I say I don't like it. Oh, it's a real problem, but this, 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 and this, well, it is no problem because I say. That's religiosity. It's based on what you feel versus based on what the word of God actually says is wrong or right. You don't determine what's wrong or right. God does. Right? But Saul is religious. This is the way legalistic people work. All this oath-taking, listen, I wouldn't go into it. I don't have time to go into it. Write this down. Numbers, I want to read this verse to you. Numbers 30, verse 2. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do all according to that proceeds out of his mouth. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 34 through 37, he basically says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And don't swear by heaven, it's God's throne, or by earth, it's his footstool. And don't swear by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. Jesus said, don't even swear by your own head because you can't make your hair black or white, Matthew 5. Now, this is obviously before the days of Clairol and L'Oreal and Revlon. Now you can make your hair any color of the rainbow you want. Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. There's no need for all this swearing. Whenever somebody, get this, think about this. Think about this. Whenever somebody is swearing and oath-taking and they say, oh, I swear on a stack of Bibles or I super-duper-duper-uper-duper swear on the holy living God of the Bible, usually there's something wrong with their word because they feel like they have to back it up with an oath or oath with a curse. How about this? I will do it. Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Stop it. If you're not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. That's your no be no. That's fine. What's not fine is when you say yes and you really mean no. Say amen. That's not fine. That's what Jesus said. It's not fine. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And you don't have to be, oh, I swear on a stack of Bibles. I ooper duper super ooper duper swear. And, and what you hiding? Why you got to go in all that? How about just say, yep, shake hands, I'll do it. What about those days? Well, verse 46, the Philistines went out on their own, went, went to their own place. Look at verse 46. That means a lot of them got away. God got a great victory but it could have been much greater. Look at verse 47. So Saul established his sovereignty. We're going to knock this down. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel, fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon and Edom and the kings of Zobah and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he had harassed them and he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jeshua, uh, Malchishua. The names of his two daughters were these. The names of the firstborn was Mira. The name of the younger is Micah or Michael. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz, and the name of the Commander of the army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. And there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw an ar- a strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. Now listen, these last few verses, don't shut your Bible yet. These last few verses tell us something very important. Number one, these verses tell us that pronouncing some of these Bible names is extremely difficult. (sighs) Amen. I don't even know if I pronounced half of them right. I just said them fast and hope you didn't know whether I was right or wrong. (laughs) Secondly, I want you to notice, seriously, I want you to notice the last few verses are all about Saul's strength. Look at verse 47. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel. He fought, 
He battled. He had a big influential family. He got mighty soldiers. He battled against Moab and Ammon and Eden. This whole section is about Saul's strength. Saul's strength was broad over many areas, but Saul's strength was also shallow. Saul was not a man after God's own heart because Saul's relationship with God was more about image than substance. We've seen it here and there, the weakness of Saul. And now in these next several chapters, it's crystallizing. The pride, the legalism, the insecurity, trusting in his own strength. On the outside, he had broad strength, but actually he was very shallow. And I encourage you, over the next several Wednesdays, commit these Wednesdays to uh, coming to church. Read ahead. Uh, Stay tuned. Because from this point on, sadly, I should tell you, it's downhill for the king of Israel. From arrogance to indifference to disobedience to later, he's writing his own rules. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.